Hey, everybody. <laughs> Muscle science for women. Hey. Go team. Um, no up? small talk this time. No small talk. Nope. Okay. We're not okay, doing any. Also, up. we don't have like much interesting to say. Um, so what we're going to do today. We always have interesting. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess we could talk about our like super cool lives. But what we're doing today is we're going to answer some of your questions. We're going to try to do them rapid fire because we're not like super good at that. But we've got a bunch. We're going to see how quickly we can get through um, because we want you to know that when you ask us a question, we do our best to answer all of them. So um, without further ado, let's see really quick. Okay. This person says, I always lift barefoot. Is this okay? What do you think? Me? I think that's awesome. I think as long as you don't drop weights on your feet, um, like you have done in the past, like I've done, <laughs> um, I think lifting barefoot is actually super underrated or at least lifting with proper shoes so i use mm -hmm. uh like whenever i do a lower body day i do i use vivo barefoot have you heard of mm -hmm. those shoes mm -hmm. yeah i love them it's just it it's basically like being barefoot but you have shoes on <laughs> um but it's such a very light material and the way that it kind of conforms to your foot it feels like you're barefoot and it allows you to like for me i've noticed such a difference like being able to like doing rdls being able to kind of like grip the floor with like feeling my entire foot on it um squats things like that like it just allows you to have much more of a kind of connection i guess you could mm -hmm. say to the ground and mm -hmm. for me that's helped me to uh, be able to create a little bit more force production through those movements and just kind of feel it a little bit more yep yeah, I mean, I would say like the more things ideally that we could do barefoot, walking, working out, all kinds of stuff, it's better. It's like the same, like people talk about like moving through your entire life wearing mittens. Like that's not better, right? Like you want yeah. to have more connection to the ground, to the things that you're doing. Um, and you're building those important sort of like structural stabilizing tiny little muscles in your feet and your ankles and all that stuff. I mean, I would say similar to people who like getting into like barefoot running or whatever, you kind of want to do this mm -hmm. gradually. Like if you've always done it this way and it feels good to you absolutely keep doing it um maybe don't go from wearing like super intense lifting shoes to barefoot and like try to squat your max tomorrow like that might not be a good idea you want to do these things like gradually um but i mean i know for example like when i move and i'm going to be living near the beach like i'm going to be doing a ton of like walking running playing all that stuff without shoes on because it feels nicer and it's more fun and you kind of get that grounding like you said sort of mm -hmm. element that feels good um so i think it's great especially if you wherever you are if you're allowed to if you're at a gym and you're grossing people out maybe you need to put some decent footwear on but like yeah i think barefoot's yeah. a great idea okay yeah um what is your favorite lift now before you answer i think we I, I think we need to have a couple different criteria because there's no there's no details here so is it mm -hmm. the most fun lift and then maybe answer if you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life because those might be two different answers so like the most important like if you could only do one movement what would it be mm -hmm. and then what's what do you like the best what's the most fun do you want me to go first or do you want to go yeah first? well if you if you know what they are um Okay, so I can answer the the one where it's like if I can only do one movement for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Wait, but is this just lower body or upper body? Because that's different. There's no, there's oh no. God. Okay, well, I'm just going to go with lower body. I'm going to choose that movement. So it would be a split squat because you can literally 
work that in so many different ways to optimize different things. And it's just, it always sucks a little or a mm. lot mm-hmm. and you can always get better at it. And it doesn't require like a ton of weight. If you don't have access to that, you can, you know, put a backpack on with weight. So there's so many different ways that you can do it. Um, so my, that would be split squat is like the one that if I can only do one for the rest of my life to get the most out of, that would be that one. I would say my one, if I could only do one, is probably like weighted like dumbbell lunges, like walking lunges. Mm. It's probably very similar. Like you can kind of make slight adjustments to like how you're holding the weight, where your legs are going, like how big of a step you're taking or whatever will kind of impact. But I mean, it's a pretty good full body movement. Like you're working core. I mean, you may not get like huge biceps from doing it, but like if you're carrying weights in your hands, you're like, you're utilizing your Mm -hmm. whole body. And I just like lunges. I think they're really like effective. Anybody can kind of do them um, and you can mess with them to make them easier or harder. So I'd say weighted lunges for me. Um, And what's your favorite? What's your most fun? If you want to like go in and do just something you want to do. Hmm. (laughs) Can you go first? Do you know yours? I got to think a little bit. Um, I would say it probably used to be bench press because I used to Mm -hmm. be pretty good at it. And also I just like it. I just like bench press. So like for pure fun, messing around, like having a good time, probably like bench press or like heavy shoulder press or something. I like like, again, the Mm -hmm. upper body stuff. I mean, I would say pull ups, but like that's I'm thinking like weight lifting lift would be like bench or shoulder press probably. Yeah, I was going to say pull ups, too. Mm -hmm. Um, but so this is something I haven't been able to do recently because of my back. So I think maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just like missing a little bit, but, um, RDLs, whether that's with like the barbell or like a hex bar. Um, I, I think I just really miss those. I haven't been able to do heavy RDLs in like months. Hmm. So, but I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. And like deadlifts too. I haven't done deadlifts in a while, but I think, deadlifts is like one of those ones where you just like I don't program it much in hypertrophy training because it's it's one of those movements that is actually not like RDLs are superior because you're creating more tension throughout the muscles things like that but deadlifts just like a heavy deadlift where you're like picking a, yeah like you're just picking <laughs> a crap ton of weight off the floor and then like mm-hmm. dropping it back down or whatever like that just feels so good mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah Yeah, I remember the days when I, like, wasn't scared of deadlifting, and I would just be like, I don't know, we'll see what happens to my back and my body. I'm just going to try to lift the heaviest weight. I'm just, like, I'm so, like, old and cautious now that I have, like, a hard time with deadlifting. I still, like, I completely agree with you. Like, nothing feels more badass than, like, deadlifting heavy weight, but I'm, like, kind of scared to do it these days. Same. I would love, I, maybe we should put this in our stories. I would love to hear what other people's favorite, favorite lifts and like desert island lift, like the one thing, if you could only do one, because I'd just yeah. be curious to see what people think. Um, yeah. Okay, someone else is asking, is it better to feel energized post-workout or I'm exhausted, I got to go lie down post-workout? And we did kind of touch on this in our recent hit episode. So mm-hmm. thoughts? I mean, I think like absolutely better to feel energized mm-hmm. um, post-workout for sure. Or I, I mean, energized, but also like a little tired. Like you should feel a little tired. You should feel like, okay, I worked hard. You know, I got in there. I got after it. I'm a little sore. Maybe if you did a lower body day or whatever, like walking down the stairs is kind of hard, you know, right? 
but to feel absolutely exhausted that especially after like every workout that's mm. probably a red flag um a few workouts like if you had a really like this happens to me every once in a while like if i had a really heavy leg day or maybe it was like a full body day and i just like went after it and gave it my all there's some times when i'm when i'm like crap like i'm done i need to go just relax for a little bit um so that's normal but it shouldn't be your every day it shouldn't be happening every day in my opinion what do you think yeah again if you're if you're like looking at things from like a um biological like ancestral standpoint like it is not normal for any animal or human to like try to burn themselves out and exhaust themselves it's not really good for your health like the whole point of training is to be fit and adaptable and resilient so that if something happens where you have to work harder than you know you want to you can you have the capacity and you aren't going to die right so i mean I think of it more like maybe a couple times a year, I might go on like an epic hike and I'll be totally burnt out and exhausted from that because it was huge, long, and you're climbing rocks and stuff. It's like, that's not something you're going to do four or five times a week. Um, I'm not trying to go into the gym and like want to die afterwards because I don't think that's improving my health in any way. And as we've talked about before, it's not an indicator that you just got stronger or you like worked hard. Yeah. It just means you kind of beat yourself up. So again, if it happens every once in a while, or if you go, something happens in life and you, you know, you're like doing a triathlon or you're doing a race and like, those are the kind of like very specific acute instances of like going harder than you need to and like really testing yourself. Um, but again, like people who do like powerlifting meets or again, like endurance races, like they're not doing that all day, every day. They're training like under their capacity so that they can every once in a while go crush it, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Okay, so this person is asking, is 15 to 20 kilometers worth of steps a day too much? She's saying, or he or she is saying, the general step count and exercise together is making it like 15 to 20 kilometers worth of steps a day. I mean, I would say, again, it kind of depends on who you are. Like, are you, is your work, like, are you just somebody who's like super, super active? Like some people's jobs necessitate mm -hmm. that they're walking 10 to, is it kilometers or just thousands so, yeah, of I was steps? Say, I, don't, I don't know kilometers. Too many people are walking 20 K a day, like that's probably pushing it. I mean, 20,000 yeah. steps is still a lot, but like I can see how, yeah. again, some people, depending on your job or whatever. Yeah. Um, I have some clients who are upwards, like up on, not like most, 15, but there's a few or, that are like 15. Yeah. And like I've been, like recently been getting a lot as well, like 15, 16. Um, yeah. But those are on the days where I have like practice or like yesterday I played basketball. Right. Um, or I'm just like moving more and walking more. Um, mm -hmm. But the kilometers is throwing me off, but in terms yeah. of like thousands, like which is what we typically track, I think, like you said, I agree. It really kind of just depends on like your lifestyle um, and your job, all that stuff. Um, and then just understanding, like paying attention to how you're feeling with that. And if yeah. you are like feeling exhausted after trying to get your steps to, like 15,000, like maybe that's not 
like yeah that's, I mean it's certainly not, not necessary. necessary exactly yeah. I think that's the point is like if you have such a busy life and day and you like look at your steps at the end of the day and you're like holy crap I walked 20,000 or whatever okay but if you're like yeah. trying to hit 20,000 because you're just trying to push yourself you absolutely don't need to do it and for some people for a lot of people that's probably too much mm-hmm. um, but again that's what like what's what we talk about in muscle science for women when we talk about like recovery and like health markers and how to like pay attention to your body and how to know if you're overtraining. Like, are you always tired? Are you always sore? Um, do you have like no motivation to do this and you're forcing it? Like, how's your sleep? Mm-hmm. You know, if you feel great and energized and you just happen to have a very, very active life and you're walking 15,000 steps a day, great. But don't force it because you don't need to. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Um, this is interesting and we don't have to get into it because again, we're doing... We're doing rapid fire, but I think we've talked about this before, but there's been some new research. So this person's asking, does tailoring your training to your cycle matter? Mm-hmm. We've definitely I mean, talked about this before. Yes. And like, correct me again if I'm wrong, if I'm saying something that's not right. But I think we talk about like every other aspect of our life. It's important to be aware of your cycle, to track it to the point where you see patterns and you understand like... This week I'm craving more carbs. This week I'm more tired. This week I'm more energized. And instead of immediately thinking it's because I suck or I'm lazy or I have no willpower, it's possibly a hormonal thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's more like a mindfulness, paying attention to it thing. Um, But there is a lot of, like there are a lot of um, programs and stuff out there that are specifically about like syncing your training to your cycle. And I just read an article. I might see if I can find it and maybe add it um, to our show notes. Do you ever read Outside Magazine? Mm-mm. Anyway, it's like for, you know, outdoorsy people. I don't know why I read it because I'm not the, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but it basically, there's some very new, um, like there's a new like journal article, like some research, like very new research that just came out that is kind of showing that the correlation to sort of like adapting your training to your cycle really there's not a strong connection for doing that or a strong sort of like impetus to do it. And the reason why they were doing this training, which, or this, this, um, this experiment, which I think is really important is to kind of show or prove that women can be included in training, um, research because, you know, again, like historically women are never included in like any kind of like strength training, endurance, like any kind of scientific research because it's like you're weird you guys have cycles like we can't keep track of what's going on with you so don't bother and this this um research is kind of saying actually it really doesn't make that much of a difference it's not like statistically that important Mm -hmm. like maybe you can throw some women into some of these studies and it's not gonna like throw things off and maybe it would be a good idea because women will actually be reflected in this uh this industry a bit better So anyway, all that to say, like, this is new research. It's one, it's one article. It's one kind of experiment, whatever. Um, And I think it's very individual. Some people have different cycles and some people experience much bigger fluctuations and all that stuff. But I think Mm -hmm. like my, at least my advice tends to be that if you are a like a quote, quote, air quotes here, normally cycling woman who is tracking your cycle, it's usually pretty pretty um routine um it's not like there aren't any kind of major issues like crazy pain or any like sort of hormonal imbalances that you're dealing with if you have like a pretty average normal cycle you probably don't need to put too much time or effort into like adapting your training 
around your cycle. You, it probably, like, mm -hmm. if you want to, I guess, but it's, like, not really going to have, like, a massive impact, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. I think that, I don't think that setting up a training program around your cycle makes sense because there's so many different components to the training program, if you're following a, a good one, that, like, it, to me, it just, like, doesn't make sense because also you are going to feel like there's going to be some months maybe where you feel differently, right? And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, like I felt like crap during this stage of my cycle last month, but like during this stage right now or this day specifically, I feel really good. So are you just going to like not train hard because exactly. you felt the same way a month ago? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because there's so many other variables that play into it, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, you can see the patterns, tracking your cycle is important, finding those, pat like seeing those patterns over time, especially if you're like kind of like clockwork and you know those patterns, then it's good to be aware of them. But I wouldn't just say like, oh, I'm going to not do this today because of the, because I, you know, couldn't do it last month or whatever, but I feel really great. Like mm -hmm. there's, that's kind of where I get, um, like yeah. annoyed with some of like the aura rings and like mm -hmm. the data from like the whoop and that stuff. Cause I'm like, that's why I don't have one. Like I don't have that because yeah, it's, it can be cool data, but I don't want to wake up in the morning and have a technology, technology. Tell me that exactly. I can't do something because I'm not ready. Exactly. <laughs> like, 100%. like 100%. I can feel that you, you gotta be in tune with yourself. Cause it's all like, that's what you should be paying attention to, like how you feel, auto-regulating things based off of that, I think is the most important. And you're, if you're relying on this technology and these things to tell you what to do every day, like you're just gonna drive yourself freaking nuts. <laughs> yeah, and in my you're, opinion, you're teaching yourself to not listen to your own, your to not listen exactly. to yourself. And I think again, women as women, we need to be teaching each other to listen to ourselves more. I think that's a problem that we have a lot of times in general, yeah. like listening to other people or ignoring what our body is telling us to do in favor of some other person or technology's wisdom. We should be listening to ourselves first. So I, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, okay. Next question. This might be funny. Um, what is your body fat percentage and what is your preferred method of calculating body fat and I, I know we've talked about this a little bit before <laughs> I have I'll no idea oh, okay yeah same yeah. I was gonna say I, have, I don't effing know and I don't effing, don't care. effing care yeah no idea <laughs> um and it's I don't see why well I mean actually maybe expand on this a little bit because I think we both are of the same belief that like it doesn't really matter and don't get hung up on it. However, yeah. you especially are a very big fan of tracking and data. So why is that information, for example, one that you kind of don't care about or prioritize, mm -hmm. but maybe weight is one? Okay, so like for tracking body fat percentage, there's tons of different methods to do it. People have heard of like body fat mm -hmm. calibers, DEXA scans, you know, uh, in body scans, all those things. The reason why I don't like I I do DEXA scans every now and then, uh, just for fun, really. Sometimes or like if someone reaches out like a company and they're like, hey, here's a free DEXA scan, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I'll do it. And I think that specifically a DEXA scan, if you do it 
properly, which is very, very hard, over time, it can give you some data, right? Especially like bone density, muscle mass, things like that. But the issue is that you have to repeat the same exact conditions that you did the scan when you do when you rescan yourself and it's really hard to do that because like repeating how much water you drank the day before the day of how much salt you consumed um the exact machine that you got it done on and the exact uh, technician who did it and the exact parameters that were set like all of these things if they're not repeated it's gonna throw the data mm-hmm. um and it can even throw like if you drink uh if you consumed i don't know less salt and less water the day before that can throw off like your body fat percentage by like two to three percent even which is crazy so that's why it's like people get so caught up on these the technology again that yeah there can be some components that over time it can show trends and things like that right but the things that are free the everyday things like tracking your scale trends body tape measurements pictures how you feel in your clothes all that stuff those things are all free And we can have, it tells you more of like what's happening, right? Because that's what matters. Like how you feel, right? That is the biggest thing that matters, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. Who cares what your body fat percentage is? Who even cares what what your scale weight is? We use the Mm -hmm. scale because we like to see the the trends and and that can give us some data over time. Um, But the number itself doesn't matter really, right? No. Who cares? Um, And so, yeah, that's what I would say. Like with body fat percentage, it's like who cares? Like you're not... Like it doesn't, who cares? Doesn't matter. We are the sexy amount of body fat. Yeah. Okay. That's all that matters. And so are you. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> last, last question. This is very, I think a quick and easy one. And I think that this person probably knows the answer, but just wants us to tell them. What do I do on rest days? I work at a desk and I struggle taking rest days because I love moving. Um, I would say that... If you want to move, and especially if you have like a desk job and a sedentary job, you sit more than you'd like, move all you want on rest days. Just don't, you know, it doesn't have to be structured. Like just get outside, just move, just play, mm-hmm. join a rec league, like do whatever you want. You just don't have to go do a hard programmed gym workout every single day. And for your mm-hmm. mental and physical recovery, you shouldn't be doing that every day. That's why rest days exist, but it doesn't mean you have to sit on your butt all day. I think, again, this is where like the nuance thing comes in and like listening to your body. I mean, I've been having more rest days than workout days lately because I just, my schedule has been crazy. So I make sure that I am moving and I'm like, I try to be a bit more active with my kid. If I'm going to be with my kid all day and I can't go to the gym, well, we're going outside and we're playing and we're running around Mm -hmm. and I'm picking them up and throwing them around. Um, If you feel restless and like you want to be doing stuff, just go do something. Just don't beat your, don't beat yourself up. Don't work too hard. Like you can move and and feel energized and feel like you exercised even without kind of like pushing Mm -hmm. it too hard, you know? Anyway. Go for a walk and be okay with resting. Yeah. um, You can still move. You just don't have to work so hard. It's like everybody, it's sort of like all or nothing. It's like, if I'm not going to the gym, I'm being lazy. Or if I have a rest day, that means like, well, I can't do anything. So I'll just sit at home. It's like, no, go for a walk, hang out with your friend, like go swim, go like do play, do whatever you want. Just Mm -hmm. don't, you don't have to go lift weights every day or do a class or whatever. Just move your body however you want. Yeah. I agree. I do have a few, like, I just want to, I have a few quick ones on mine okay. that I got. Um, so we can just 
do this super quick. So a few of these are going to be, uh, well, whatever. I'll just read it. So what the first one says, no questions. Just wanted to say thank you for all that you share. Appreciate you, Jill. She mentioned that. Um, Thanks, someone asked, <laughs> someone asked, can we do a deep dive into carbs for uh, different ages um, and nutrition uh, partitioning? So with that question, I'm going to say like, we're not going to do a deep dive on the podcast. We've done some deep dives on carbs before, so definitely check out some previous episodes. Um, but we do talk a lot about this in the Muscle Science for One program where we talk through nutrition, nu- nutrition partitioning, you know, eating to fuel your training, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that, but I don't People know. People just to say. love talking about carbs. Honestly, Boring. I'm over talking about carbs. <laughs> I know. I've been I'm talking so about bored carbs for five years. And I'm just I like, mean, I do listen. think that like one good like evolution with carbs, I think from even like when we first met, which is like, you know, four years ago or something is like, I think the conversation is steering a little bit away from like carbs are the devil. Thank goodness. Because that was like a bit much. And again, mm-hmm. anything that's too black and white, like you have to do this or you can't ever do that. Like usually that's like take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. But Again, like it's it's so nuanced that like a deep dive, even if we did do an hour and a half episode about carbs, it's still just sort of like we can't it's so it's so individual to you that like you just kind of have to either work with a coach, take the muscle science for women program, because we kind of we really get into all of that there. And you can actually ask us specific questions about yourself in the program. That's one of the advantages of taking it. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just like, you know, eat the carbs that you want that make you feel good. And pay attention to how many, because if you eat too many, you're going to gain weight. And if you don't eat enough, you're not going to have energy. Like, you know, just figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are so many nuances. I, and I'll say this, like on my previous podcast, uh, Metflex and Chill, that's still live. There's like so many episodes that I've done on carbs and all the different questions that I've gotten about them. So if you're really like interested in keto or carbs, low carb, all that stuff, like check that out. There's so much information there, but yeah, I mean, there's just too much to it's too much it's too much guys too much too much all right we got two more quick ones um please talk water is there ever too much to drink um at least half a gallon half body weight in ounces Mm -hmm. question mark i mean Uh, you can technically drink too much water it's hard you have to like work at it but people people die in marathons every year drinking too much water but I mean, if you're forcing yourself to chug water all day, every day, again, maybe question why you're doing that. Because if you really are like forcing it and drinking like gallons a day, you don't need to do that. And that's probably not healthy. Yeah. You're going to have like a electrolyte imbalance that could be problematic. Um, most people aren't going to aren't running the risk of like killing themselves from drinking too much water. Again, it's like you have to really be making mm-hmm. an effort to do it. Um, I'd say probably more people are walking around dehydrated than overhydrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I would say like general guideline that I usually give is is at least half your body weight in ounces per day. Um, and if you're exercising and sweating, you're going to need more than that. Um, also to realize that like it's not just about the water. You want to make sure you're replenishing electrolytes too. Yes. So like salt or, you know, electrolyte powders, things like that are important. Um, and paying attention to thirst, right? That's yes. important too. And um, what you're eating. Because yeah. again, if you're eating unprocessed food, I mean, I think we all know fruit and vegetables are mostly water, but guess what? Meat is also mostly water. Like all of those good whole foods that we should all be eating are mostly water and are contributing to your water intake. If you're eating, Mm -hmm. you know, 
cereal and biscuits and crackers all day, that's 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 taking away from your water cereal because those are highly processed. Biscuits are the yeah. worst. I was reading about this. It's like, what is the most like dehydrating food you could possibly eat? It's like a biscuit. You put it in your gut and it just soaks up all the moisture in your entire body. Oh God. Um, don't eat too many biscuits if you're trying to stay hydrated. They are delicious though. Anyway. Um, enough oh, biscuit man. chat, but yes. Yeah, so like, keep in mind your, the food that you're eating too. Like if you're, mm. if you're eating a lot of like whole foods, um, healthy, natural fruits and vegetables and meat, you're getting, uh, you're getting hydration from that too. But I think like the half, half your body weight in ounces is actually for somebody who has a hard time drinking enough. That's a pretty reasonable benchmark. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not too hard to hit if you're, you know, yeah. you're carrying around your water bottle and just having sips every now and then. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. And then this last question on a health journey to reduce, reduce and cure PCOS and PMS plus trying to improve as an athlete, any tips? So this is like a very broad question. And like, we would, this is where I would say like work with a coach. Um, that's a lot of stuff, (laughs) PCOS, Mm -hmm. PMS, and then also, you know, improving a specific sport, um, as you mentioned, that's going to be like a deep dive into you as an individual, like trying to like find out where you've been, what you've been doing, and then working through that. That is definitely a, a one-on-one type scenario that we can't really mm-hmm. dive into on the podcast, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. But again, the, the, like, the PCOS thing is different, but in terms of like PMS, um, you know, this is a boring answer, but it's like, it's a legit one. It's like, if you figure out all of those basic foundational health principles we talk about mm. all the time, which is get some sleep, eat foods that nourish you, you know, be active, but don't overdo it. Like all of these very basic, unsexy, you've heard them a million times, things, if you do those consistently, that may, you know, dramatically improve. If you're having PMS symptoms, if you're having, you know, times in your cycle that are unpleasant, if you kind of sort out a lot of those things that your body starts to like work with you instead of against you. And you may find that some of these PMS symptoms um, decrease or go away entirely. Um, And sometimes people think they're doing the right thing, but that's where, again, having a coach is helpful because you may think like, look, I'm doing everything right. And then your coach is like, you are crazy overtraining. (laughs) You're crazy under eating. You're sleeping five hours a night. Like actually, no, like there is a lot of things we could be doing and that's going to help your, your hormones and your PMS big time. So, you know, the first thing to do is like start to take stock of these things. Like, am I crazy stressed? Am I sleeping well? Am I eating nourishing food? Am I, you know, training properly Mm -hmm. and recovering properly? Um, Get that stuff, you know, sorted out and you might find that your body responds well. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, let's finish off with talking about our sponsors so that I can tell you about my protein ice cream last night. Woo! Ice cream signs for women. Okay. Yeah. What did you do? Okay. What, so what I, did you do with Active Stacks last night? I didn't. I didn't explode it all over. Oh great! The oh good. The kitchen. Counter. Good. So yeah. that was a plus. Um, but I did make vanilla Active Stacks, and I had uh, mini peanut butter cups that I put in. Yeah, that's my girl. That's my girl. Finally. They were freaking delicious. I've done Finally, you added some real desserts. You're always I've done like, that oh, before. I'll put some pecans in there. I'm like, okay, great, great. I mean, that okay. is delicious, well, but still. Hazelnuts, roasted hazelnuts, like Fine. that's, come on. They're good, but know. come on, peanut butter cups, come on. Yeah. They're course. better. So there was like <laughs> little mini peanut butter cups um, 
that I got from Sprouts. I don't know if you're oh, familiar so with Sprouts. Good. They have mm-hmm. those. Um, they're like the really mini ones. So they were like perfect to kind of blend in. Mm. Um, and that was great. So mm-hmm. I had peanut butter cup, vanilla, protein ice cream. And I'm pretty sure the whole, yeah, the whole pint was 200 calories with the, the PB cups. Um, so how many, how just, many like ounces of like add-ins are you putting in there? So I do like just a cup or 240 milliliters of unsweetened like cashew milk. Yes. Then I do, um, I'll do like about 20 grams of protein powder. So I don't do a full scoop. Okay. Um, and then I mix that up and then I do, um, well for this one yesterday, I'll do, I did like, I think I did like 10 to 15 grams of PB cups. So I just like measure them out. Okay. Cause I feel like I want to like really go hard with the add-ins. Like I want it to be like extra like blizzard amount of stuff yeah. like you know sometimes you get those like pints and there's like a bunch of like stuff at the top or at the bottom but then there's like if you can get like four or five spoonfuls with nothing in it that's a fail okay there needs to be something <laughs> yeah. in every spoonful or else what are we doing here so here's yeah. another question do you think if I wanted to put for example like chocolate covered cashews or almonds in my ice cream. Could I do that? Do I have to kind of crush them up first or could I throw a couple in there and it wouldn't like break the thing? It w- you could throw a couple, you could, you, I don't think you have to break it up first. It might be that they don't actually break up too much mm. on its own when you're, when it's in there. So if you want it to disperse throughout the whole thing, mm. I would like break them up a little bit. Um, mm. But when I put hazelnuts in, like I put the whole hazelnuts, they break okay. up quite a bit, but not like till they're like crushed. Yeah. Um, so it kind of depends how much you want it dispersed. Um, and then sometimes I'll do like, I'll put it instead of doing mix-ins, I'll do like a respin again with the things. And I find that that mm-hmm. sometimes breaks up a little bit more than actual the mix-in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. button. Okay. So worth a try. I think, um, I think, yeah, someday I'm going to just go like super, super hard and put like five do different it. mix-ins and just like go to town. Cause again, we're always talking about how to like make protein desserts, which I'm like such a huge fan of. And obviously like mm-hmm. lower calorie, better ingredient desserts. Cause you know, like life's too short to not enjoy these things, but like, let's try to make them healthy when we can. But sometimes yeah. you just need to like do the indulgent thing. Sometimes you just need yeah. to like do the peanut butter cups and the I don't know, crushed up cookies or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, you're on the same page with that. Okay. Um, Thanks, Active Stacks, for for keeping keeping the ice cream love alive. The code for them, it's activestacks.com is their Mm -hmm. website. The code is MSW10. You get a discount. They only have two flavors, chocolate and vanilla, because they just are like, we have done two things really well, and we're going to stick to that. We don't need to do Mm -hmm. a million different flavors. And really, honestly, they work as a base for anything. Exactly. Um, I put... I put the chocolate in my coffee every morning. Like I make like yeah. a mocha iced latte and it's absolutely delicious. And then you don't have to like yeah. add any sweetener or anything else. It's just like delicious mm-hmm. coffee. Um, thanks, yeah. Active Stacks. You guys are the best. Thank you. All, All right, right, I'm hungry. I want to go eat. I'm going to go eat some peanut butter cups. Oh, I don't have any. I'm going to go eat some food. Okay, great. <laughs> Sweet potatoes and steak. All right. I, that's like actually pretty good. That's a pretty good meal. I can get down with that. Okay. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Leave a rain review. Share it out. Tell everybody about us. And we love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. <laughs>